think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Celtics Reddit Podcast. Ben Vallis here. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. Coming up on the show, we're going to talk about Jalen Brown's return and the refreshing offense that came with that. We might get into some cheeky trade talk about a certain German point guard who is about to become trade eligible. And of course, the Reddit recap. Oh, and Danny Ainge has a new job, which we'll get to towards the end. Joining us for all of that and more, Celtics J. J, how you doing, sir? I'm doing well, Ben. Good to be in the mix again. Uh, nice to, to have all three of us together. I'm, I'm coming to everybody uh, right here from McAllen, Texas, right near the, uh, right near the, the Mexico border and, and by the, the Gulf itself. So um, trying to get some, some Southern intel over here for, uh, to bring back home. And of course, the content king himself, Wayne Spoony. Spoons, how are things? You know, unlike Jay, I'm from an undisclosed location known only as Start New Smith Headquarters. Uh, I'm doing great, <laughs> feeling good, feeling very confident about our upcoming games after that, so I can't wait to be disappointed as usual. I know, right? <laughs> well, look, let's get right into it. And Jay LeBrown, like we said, returns, and the Celtics convincingly handle the Bucks 117 to 103. Tatum with 42 points, Jalen with 19 and five assists. Spoons, we'll start with you because I think you might have the slightly better internet connection. What were your key takeaways from this game? <laughs> uh, I think the big thing, and we got a uh, Reddit comment here from user Papa underscore Seeps, and this sums up what I think is the big takeaway is great ball movement last night. Obviously, it helps when teammates are hitting shots, but if they could just keep the offense flowing the way they did, paired with their defense... This is the team I think a lot of us were hoping to see coming into the season. We've seen these promising displays several times before, so it's too early to think they've turned a corner, but I really hope they have this time. And that's really where I'm at, right? Like, man, when it looks good, it looks so damn good. And then they lay one of those like obnoxious stinkers like they did against the Clippers or something like that. And I think in a lot of ways with the ball movement, it starts with Tatum. I just felt like he scored 42 points and I felt like all he did was pass the entire game. And it's like, how does this dude have 42? Uh, And that's when you know he's like really, really dominating the game because his shots are going in, he's attacking the rim, but most importantly, 
When he gets those doubles, he makes the smart, simple play. He was making quick decisions all night. And this team's success, I mean, as good as Jalen Brown is, this team's success is going to start and end with Jason Tatum. And he was just, like, immaculate the other night. I like the vibe just overall. Like, the team just seemed re-energized. Like, they just seemed like they had some mojo back. I don't know. You know, like, I I think... It's one of the most frustrating, but it's also one of the most enticing aspects of being a fan of a sports team is like, on one hand, we're all completely infatuated with the with this team, with the players, with the potential that can be, um, and all the narratives that surround it. But at the same time, like we're so removed and detached from what's actually happening conversationally and interpersonally with all of these players that... Like, it's fascinating to me as somebody that literally works like in behavior management and, and, and like works closely with folks on, on trying to like understand behavior uh, at all sorts of different levels to watch this team and try to like piece together with what little bits of sort of information and objective data that we can get and try to understand what those dynamics are with the squad. Cause the, the back and forth between the good days and, and, and not so good days are so dramatically different. It's hard mm-hmm. to sort of imagine what those personalities are like mixing in that locker room. Um, but it would be just, I think, amazing to be a fly on that wall. Oh, and- definitely. And the good news for us is that we have exactly the same level of locker room access as legitimate credentialed media folks, which is zero. So, I don't know. I'm just saying it puts us in a good position. Uh, That's sorry, right. Spoon, you had something you wanted to say there. Uh, I was gonna, We're basically credentialed media people at this point, right? Yeah. Why not? <laughs> yeah. No, I was just going to say that uh, I thought it was really interesting at the end of the game uh alex kungu uh mentioned that jalen brown was essentially running point guard at the end of the game and they were just running these actions where tatum would get a down screen he'd come up and set a pick for jalen and it felt like every single time we got a good shot and it was just like amazing ball movement and it was you know crunch time where we struggled all season and it looked great and i think a big part of why we look so good is Jalen Brown has not played a healthy game in what a month and a half I mean he's played those first seven yeah those first seven games he was healthy and then after that I mean he was a shell of himself when he tried to come back and then went back out Mm -hmm. and imagine that this team makes a lot more sense and looks a lot better with Jalen obviously it's one game they've disappointed us before but you know I'm encouraged by what we saw and before he was missing games, he was looking Super Saiyan. I mean, like he was doing that typical Brown thing where he just comes out all blazing. So hopefully we're seeing that coming back because him coming back too early was that was heartbreaking to see. Like that's he wasn't even recognizable out there. Yeah, I mean, and you could argue that he hasn't played a healthy game all year. Like the first game against New York obviously looked extremely healthy. Can't have necessarily felt particularly healthy given that he'd just coming off come off yeah. COVID. And then yeah. from that game onwards, he never really looked particularly good. Um, and so in a sense, we've seen maybe game two, let's say generously game four of like a full squad, at least in terms of all of our starters being on the court together. Uh, Spoons, I, I saw that tweet by Kungu as well, where they basically pointed out that like Jalen Brown, they were running him at the top of the horn set, whereas like typically he'd be stuck in the corner there. And I rewatched portions of the game after reading that tweet, and it just stood out so much where the both Jays at the point of attack, where one Jay could drive 
and if the defense collapsed on them, they could kick out to like an already cutting Jay who, well, if they're cutting off the corner, for example, the defense can funnel them into the baseline and kind of cut off that drive a little bit. But if they're cutting in from the top of the key, which they were in this case, they've got you know infinite more options or at least double the amount of options when they're making that drive. And then we've got to give kudos and a shout out to Grant Williams, who yep. uh, really has impacted the spacing on this team. And with the addition of Jalen Brown as well, as like suddenly it looks like this humming offense where there's space to operate and Tatum was absolutely the beneficiary of that with these 42 points. Celtics J, you know, I touched on Grant Williams there. I have a feeling you've got something more that you want to add to that. I mean, we have to give this guy his flowers. We can't just, you know, scoot by the the Grant Williams stuff. It was truly incredible in this game. Grant, Grant's that guy. He took all the shit last year, right? Like, like the fan base gave him all the smoke. And because and, here's the thing. We came in last season talking about Grant. Like, oh, Grant could be the starter. Like, he could be the guy that comes in, balances, brings balance to the force. It's finally going to work. The pieces will fit. You know, he's got the cerebral aspect of the game. He's, he's very versatile in what he can do. Um, but he's also got to kind of be focused on it. Like, it's not necessarily... He's, He's not going to be a superstar level guy that can just naturally do all the things, but he is a guy that if you give him the the outline of what you need from him, he can he can fashion his game to specifically get tailored in that way. And he seems like one of those guys that he's smart enough to know, uh, and and probably because of you know his upbringing and all that, which has you know been well documented. Uh, but he knows when the new teacher comes in, like you set that tone off early, right? So I imagine Eme comes in. <laughs> And like that first conversation with Ime and Grant had to be like Grant just going to him with like a list of all of his like, you know, he's basically got his full what is it, CV right there with him. Like, all right, what works for you on this? Uh, what do you want me crossing out? Right. And the, what do you I want me underlining? Highlighting? Yeah. That's right. And he's like, Ime, you just give me the recipe that you need and I'm going to give you all of those things because he's come out because the things that we need from him. Right. Rebounding versatility on defense, the ability to be able to be switchable and not get burned when he's out on the perimeter um, to, to bully up when he's stuck in the paint and be that guy that can kind of go back and forth there and then hit the threes, hit the, th- we need you to hit mm-hmm. the threes. You, you got to do it. If you don't do it, it doesn't work. And he's just done those exact things. And so it's like, it's hard to, it's hard to even shit on the guy when he's not having a big game. Cause he's still just doing the things that keep the opposing team honest, right? And having to guard him, having to be mindful of where he's at. I love seeing it. I feel like he's a guy that's easy to root for. He's got some smart-esque aspects to sort of how he fits into a team and how he can help raise the floor of a team. Um, you know, maybe he's not quite as uh, explosive a personality um, for you know in his own right or even from the perspective of the fan base. But, um, you know, I think having guys like that that are super versatile – can plug into all these different gaps makes a whole lot of sense. And Grant, woo, you will love you lovely right now. <laughs> you lovely. I'm glad it's what not a contract year for him. Absolutely. Well, one of those things that you mentioned really stood out to me. And Spoons, I'm, I'm keen to hear your thoughts on this. That the uh, the notion of Grant Williams being an enforcer that that was a role that hadn't necessarily been taken up by anyone on the team. I don't think that I would have put Grant Williams on my top like five of people on the Celtics to to assume that role. And yet there he was, like sort of back and forth with old crazy eyes, Bobby Portis uh, against the Bucks the other day. Uh, Spoons, what, what was your take on that? I will say I would not fuck with Bobby Portis. He would look at me one <laughs> no. time and I would be running and he'd catch my ass, right? Uh, <laughs> no, Grant, 
you can kind of tell from like the quotes of the team, he's kind of an annoying dude to be around. I feel like, like everyone's <laughs> like Tatum had that quote after the game. Like I think Corrales asked him, like, has Grant been talking about, you know, how good he's shooting? And Tatum was like, every day you know (laughs) but you need that dude on your team man like he's the friend like you guys all kind of rag on and make fun of but if someone else that's not part of your crew makes fun of him you're like fuck you dude Uh, you do not talk about grant williams like that that is for us to make fun of him and (laughs) like he does those annoying like he boxes out like he boxes out on a free throw. He boxes out on a layup. Like he does all that annoying shit. That he boxes out when he's set in a screen. Like he he does yeah. that all the time. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And like that sucks to play against. And that's exactly the type of dude you want on your side during a game, man. And then you combine that with the fact that he's making like every three he takes. He's not doing the dumbass Grant Williams shit where he's, like, taking dumb fouls. Well, he does sometimes still. But for the most part, compared to last year, he's not doing that. He's not throwing it into the fourth row when he gets the ball. And he's shooting 80% in the restricted area right now, which is, like, absolutely friggin' insane. So he's, like... He's a bucket right now. Yeah. If you tried to hide a guard on him, he just posts him up. And last night, they threw a guard on him. He posted him up. He got fouled, and then a guard never sat on him again for the rest of the game. And it's like, that's perfect, because now Grant has to have a big on him or a big wing, and he's spacing it out because he's making his threes. And it's like, he's annoying, he's rebounding, he's playing defense, and he's making shots. Like, that is the perfect role player, man. Like, Grant has been a revelation for us. Quick question, just just super random and super quick, but do either of you feel like Grant Williams is is slowly and, and or or maybe more recently suddenly becoming what we always kind of hoped that Sullinger might kind of become? Uh, first of all, I am absolutely offended, Jay. You forgot about Gershon Yabasele and the Boston man- Celtics <laughs> Badonka Donk team. That's a- yeah, yeah, that man uh, had it too. And Actually, I think like (laughs) Derrick extraordinaire, the Frenchman. (laughs) I think if you took year three Sully and you took year three Grant, Sully's a better basketball player than Grant. Like Sully was good, man. Like he had post moves. He could he he could put the ball on the floor. I think Grant's a little bit of a different player. Just couldn't run on the floor. He just couldn't run, man. We had like a top five defense with Sully at center, which is like Brad Stevens is a genius, man. Yeah, (laughs) that was that. But Uh, but, that was the year where Brad was like, you know, that was his crescendo as far as like making something out of nothing, though, because what we had Zeller too. Like it was Sullender and Zeller that were holding down the paint for us. Like what? Yeah, those crazy Uh, times. Twin towers. I was never afraid that Grant couldn't couldn't get. Gonna get or stay in shape. I just think that, like, when he said they wanted me to be big to play center, and then I never played center, I I believed a man. Like, because when he came out of college, he had like five percent body fat or something insane like that. He was just like bulked up to be bulked up. He's so, a strong, yeah. He's just a um, strong guy. I I think it's a little that like, has never Solinger been the case with Sullinger. Like, yeah, he's like literally addicted to food, like the poor guy. You know what I mean? So uh, I think it was a little different, but I he, see what you mean. He like came they out both kind of have the smarts. His, 
Yeah, they both got the smarts and the big body and they're undersized. So no, I get it for sure. And Sully shot like 29% from three that one season. It's like, oh, he shoots 36 from three. We're getting interesting. But yeah, it never yeah. really happened with Sully. Although I was a big believer. The Sully was my guy. Yeah, and I want to get to this comment here from user256dac before we move on from Grant. They say, has anyone else noticed the way Ime coaches Grant in game? I believe that Yudoka gravitated towards Grant as a contributor based off of him being proactive and asking what he can do to fit in in Yudoka's system. And then we'll add, including but not limited to gaining and or losing weight. Uh, like we said, Grant may be the first Yudoka guy. He's pliable in the way that he takes what Yudoka says and just does it. We need shooting. Grant busts his ass and gets really good at shooting. We need a defensive identity. Grant checks Drew Holiday, Bobby Portis, Giannis in the same game. We need toughness. This mf is in Portis's face. So I feel like that really ties a bow on the, on the Grant Williams discussion where there have been some negatives to emerge out of this season. Uh, there have been some serious positives and Grant Williams is, is certainly on top of that pile. I want to move on though and off this game, you know, in context or in contrast rather to the West Coast trip, the terrible West Coast trip, we've been here so many times now where we think... Finally, they figured it out only for the team to then go in and lose three or four straight, which they may go on to do now. Are you back on the hype train after this one win, Jay? Or if not, what's it going to take? You know, I, I, I wonder how many folks are just kind of like already knowing where I'm at with this. Spoons, where, where, like, where do you think I'm at? Do you think I'm still on Hype City? Uh, Yeah. <laughs> Listen, so for me, like, I don't, I don't ever leave that space. Like, you know, I, I, I pick up on, on tones, like in the sub a lot of times. And there's this whole sort of paradigm between the, the green teamers that they're, you know, the Celtics can do no wrong. And then the doomers, like the Celtics have never done anything right since 86. And so for me, when I'm watching, I tend to think, a lot of folk, I, I, I think I forget how few or how many fans currently are only aware of the Celtics like since 2008, right? Like since that big three got assembled with KG and Ray and Pierce and how much of that fan base has kind of come from that experience. And like I came up watching the Celtics never having won anything like they won. The last time they won when I was a Celtics fan was like the year I was born. So I felt like I was the curse. <laughs> like I, I thought I was the thing that happened <laughs> that went terribly wrong. You know, and my father might have helped contribute to that uh, a little bit because he would like remind me every time I had a bad take. <laughs> um, I'm just, I'm inside just, of the Celtics, Jays. I, I know he, li- he listens. <laughs> but not so really. like, I'm, ju- I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but so like I, I watched that whole nineties, early two thousands teams and, and like you gotta find ways to root for your squad even if you know they're not like every single year I knew the Celtics are not winning a championship. And so you find ways to appreciate and to love your team and to root for your team and to cheer on your team and to and to deal with the losing at times. And I feel like we're we like forgot some of that as a as as a cert, uh consequence of that 2008 run um and then the subsequent competitive years that we had afterwards because i look at this team and this team is easy to love like like you don't have to look too far to find characters and guys on this team that you can root for and marcus smart the guy that i'm always championing is definitely one of them and i get the criticism against dude 
But at the same time, like this man will put himself to no end to to compete to try to win a basketball game. And like, how can you not root for that? Um, you know, we got guys like Jalen and Jason right now trying to work out their stuff and figure their stuff because they're at like not separate from basketball. They're at an age right now like these two young guys are becoming men right now. Like they are shaping themselves and who they're going to be taking steps forward now, not even while they're in the league, but post league and, and what's going to be next for them. Like a lot of these things, a lot of these building blocks are like happening right now. And some of us are so distracted with that, whether we're winning or losing games, we're not like appreciating and, and enjoying the journey a bit, right? Like you climb up the mountain and, you know, there's not a great view everywhere you go, but it's that experience has a quality to it. And there's an impact that comes from that. And, and I think we got to get grounded a little bit and just learn to appreciate this game separate from the wins and losses sometimes and, and appreciate these players on our squad, regardless of, of the score at the end, because there's some remarkable men on this team. Um, and it's, it's a pleasure to be able to watch them regardless of outcomes. Dude, wow. I, I needed to hear that. <laughs> what do you think? Preach, baby, preach. <laughs> uh, okay, so I remember when Pierce and Tuan went to the Eastern Conference Finals. I was like, can you believe we went to the East? We're <laughs> one of the last four teams left. Like, this is crazy, man. And now it's like, I'll be like, dude, we went to three Eastern Conference Finals in the last four years. And people are like, well, we didn't win a championship. Like, well, that's bullshit, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, we just are like, that is just different times, I guess, man. Like, the Patriots have ruined Boston fandom in a lot of ways, I guess, because mm-hmm. I remember being so hyped when we just make the playoffs. I remember unironically thinking Kedrick Brown was the truth, and that dude was about to crush for us. It did you not. You forgave <laughs> the Celtics for trading Joe Johnson, right? Like, like we <laughs> right. forgave. We, we, we thought that was Ronnie a good Rogers deal. and Tony Delk. We're good. <laughs> These we guys are going to contribute. Ronnie you know? Rogers and Tony Delk for like a postseason, <laughs> and we're like, oh, that's fine. <laughs> Like, we were training for a relief pitcher in baseball, man. But, uh, so, I'm with you, Jay. Like, I just think when Jason Tatum's career is over, and we're going to think back to, like, remember when we gave a shit? They were 500 that one time in December. Like, it's going to look silly, man. Like, him and Jalen are on their way to successful, successful careers. They may never win a championship together. That might suck, but it's okay, dude. Like, basketball's fun to watch. Like, it's mm-hmm. awesome. Tatum dropped 42. I'm going to be hyped for a week thinking about that game until we play again. You know what I mean? Like, it's fun. How, how many times have you watched the, the highlights already? Oh. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm wearing Timmy out. <laughs> I'm wearing Timmy out right now on the plays. <laughs> <laughs> Timmy's got a couple thousand views, at least 1K or me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Someone at the YouTube data center is like hurriedly installing multiple new servers to try and keep up with the demand. Yeah. I, and uh, shout out to Shimmy because he, he just... He just dropped a, another video that specifically looks at the plays where the Jays are playing off of each other. Um, so he just dropped that in the sub, too. So, like, Timmy is always doing God's work with the highlights, man. So shout out to Timmy and the work he's doing, both throwing stuff in the sub. Check him out on the YouTube as well. Because um, I love, too, like, that. the other poetic thing about this past game 
was like those two just breaking that narrative wide open. Like I think their first, both of them, like their first couple buckets were coming off of Visas from the other one. It was like, oh okay, yeah, keep writing, yeah. go yeah. ahead, <laughs> keep making yeah. stuff up. Yeah, I'm a- I'm actually working on a a similar video, and uh, yeah, shout out Timmy, he's a pro. He got there before me, but uh, look out for that one from me. It's gonna be a little bit longer, contain some sort of graphical overlays and some narration and stuff, but hopefully coming out uh, later this evening. Uh, on the hype train thing, just quickly, I'll be very quick. I'm not back on the hype train. Uh, purely out of like uh, repeated heartbreak. I'm a, I feel a little worn out, and I need to see that version, the Bucks win version of the Celtics of this in a vacuum of this season. Like I understand expectations and like fans being overly entitled to success and stuff like that. Sure. Um, ultimately, we should be thankful to be Celtics fans, but I need to see like ten more games of this now, like ten in a row consecutive games of that version of the Celtics before I feel um, that like uh, spark in my in my body again. I like as far as this season is concerned, I'm totally with you, dude. Like I think they could lay three straight stinkers coming up. You know what I mean? I'm with you. Like I don't trust this team at all. That's why we're gonna yeah, enjoy these moments when uh when they occur. <laughs> for real. And I think a lot of people have you know like it, this is maybe a little bit like over the top, but like a certain amount of sort of like fan level traumatization that's kind of occurred right um and like some folks <laughs> yeah. that do remember those 90s years like i think part of what makes people so frustrated about what they've seen the last few seasons is for fear of falling back into what the 90s really was which was like worse than even being in mediocrity like it was basically being a punchline for the, the rest of the league <laughs> yeah you know King-based. so um <laughs> ultimately ben I, I think regardless of you know any sentimentality i want to put on sort of like you know being a uh, an even keeled and well-balanced individual and sports fan i think you're right on the money in that like you've got to see this show up a little bit more than just once every couple of weeks yeah and as we've all discussed in the past it has like uh this noticeable tangible effect on our physical lives in the real physical world beyond this podcast so it is important i I do want to move on because we've got a lot to get to it's a question for you spoons does the udoka offense at its peak at its absolute peak for example the bucks game that we're talking about does it look better than the brad stevens offense at its peak um so i think that No, and <laughs> it <Considered>. it <laughs> it and Al Horford pick and roll was so absolutely unstoppable when you had Bradley and Crowder in the corner spacing. I mean, there's just like you could have thrown me out there as the fifth guy, and like that's basically unstoppable. It was a t- he was the fifth in MVP votes that year. You know what I mean? Like, I just think. I love what Yudoka did last game. I do not like how we've played offense before that. I think he's done a lot of creative stuff against Milwaukee, and I hope we keep it up. But I think right now you just absolutely can't say that, man. Like, we were top five in offense with basically Al Horford and Isaiah Thomas as the only two, like, real good offensive basketball players so i don't think we can say that yet i mean like when i i think we're forgetting how damn good those early brad stevens offenses looked and Mm -hmm. 
part of that's how people play defense now. It's a lot more switch, a lot more zone. So kind of that backdoor cutting, that off-ball movement's not as effective. But, I mean, talk to me when we're top four with that type of sustained success with Emu Doka. Like, at its peak, like, we're forgetting, like, Isaiah lit people up in the playoffs for 55. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's it's just it's different, man. Like, yeah, we are scoring because our shots are going down right now, but I just don't think you can say that. Like peak Isaiah Horford offense with Brad or that peak Kyrie, Tatum Brown, Horford, Mook Morris year. I don't think we're there yet. I just really don't. Maybe that is partly personnel, but it's difficult to separate the two, honestly. So I, I just don't think so just yet. But if he keeps throwing some goofy stuff like Jalen playing point guard and, and running Tatum as the picker and stuff, I mean, we might get there. But for now, I, I just don't think so. Yeah, seeing the Jays utilized in the way that they were, I thought it at least prompted the question. Uh, Jay, do you agree with, with Spoonie's response there? I never agree with Spoons because most of the stuff that he's pontificating about is <laughs> completely good malarkey. <laughs> And Correct. entirely based on like logic and statistics and like analytical evaluation. And that's just where I'm from. Like, we just don't take kindly to all that kind of noise. Um, yep. I go completely based off how I feel emotionally and, and, and uniquely as an individual. Um, for me, Brad, Brad had a, like, Brad's thing was, like, it was completely built around, like, he, he found a way to cultivate a system around the players that he had. Like, we forget, too, like, he had a couple of seasons, or at least, like, a season and a half before he had IT, and the offense, like, was kind of working, he found ways to, like, get buckets, like, he just had... A, like a savant nature to him like his out of time out stuff was legendary especially early on when people didn't have like the file on him yet like he was just he was schooling people with those x's and o's like he's just got a mind that seems really well wired for like thinking about basketball logistically and so that tended to to play well into like coming up with plays and sets that were going to work especially over time now, what I like about Ime, though, is that Ime has been demonstrating something that is maybe a little bit different than what Brad's natural strength is. And, and um, again, this is based on absolute emotional science. So, you know that it's, you know, it's real. Um, <laughs> cover your ear spoons. I'll be over soon. Um, Ime <laughs> seems to be doing a really good job at recognizing where he needs to like add wrinkles or make adjustments for specific matches matchups for example the way we seem to be really well geared to go toe to toe with Milwaukee right like he seems to know which teams he's got to have some stuff for and he's clearly building up his sort of you know his trunk of tricks that he's going to be able to to roll out there especially come playoff time when we've got a whole series that we've got to compete back uh, you know, back and forth with folks. So I don't know that Ime is ever going to necessarily have the same sort of systematic or, or like overall approach to, to managing offense and defense the way that Brad did. But I also think that 
what he doesn't do that's like Brad is kind of what's going to maybe give him an edge that Brad didn't have. Like, ultimately, it's kind of like you want them to play off of each other. You want you want Brad's sort of logistical brilliance to 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 support what Ime is doing. You want Ime to have this tactical dynamic, especially for that, you know, in the moment stuff. Love the fact that he calls timeouts better than Brad did. Like, he just seems to be more wired into the Huge. temperament of the team and know when he's got to rein them in and know when to let them do the thing. Brad never seemed to really have that figured out. He never seemed to be able to like tap into the the team, the roster, the you know players' energy in a way that he could really like respond intuitively like that. So I just think they're entirely different. I think they bring different skill sets. I think we're seeing a different kind of coaching approach with Ime than we did with Brad. So comparing them. I, you know, I'm not going to have great takes or big extraordinary takes there, um, but I, I I loved what we had with Brad. I loved what he was able to do with those rosters that he had, and I'm excited to see what Ime's doing so far. And I love the point that <clears throat> you guys made on the last the last pod, and, and Jackson, I think, you know, nailed it with uh, just mentioning that he's working this stuff out. He's he's finding where that balance has got to be. You know, he, he's. He seems to have a real good sense of what he wants to do with the defense, and that shit seems to work. So when when that's locked in, he's good. And now he's figuring out how do I how do I balance that out. So I've been happy on both sides of it. Um, you know, I, I love the differences, uh, and uh, I think that we've got a lot of good basketball ahead of us with him at the helm. Agreed. I hope you're right. I'm, I'm going to rattle off four missed points here from this Bucks game. And Spoons, you get to choose which one we talk about because we've only got time for one. So the Rob slash Al and sort of the continuation of that double big lineup despite the rise of, of Grant Williams. Horford's defense on Giannis, which was incredible. Smart's 11 assists, yet zero turnovers. Or sort of continuing on from what Jay said there, the Udoka stuff to come out of this game. So the film session was one. There was the calling out the team, saying that we needed an enforcer, a role which Grant happily took upon himself. Talking to Jason Tatum about how he used to talk to Kawhi, that these guys, they're not your older brother. He needs to be a bit more hard-nosed. Um, out of those four points, what's the one most important takeaway for you? I think we got to talk about the film session. Uh, although, shout-outs to Horford, dude. He was so good on Giannis. But, uh, and smart. Vint- uh, vintage but- Horford. It really was, dude. He was so good. Uh, but I think with the Yodoka film session, it really seems like, and who knows, right? They might come out flat against the Warriors, and this is all going to sound stupid, but wouldn't be the first time I sound dumb, as Jay would tell you. <laughs> uh, it seems like they really responded to what he said, and it goes back to like part of the reason Brad hired him is that the players kind of tuned him out last year and I get it, man. Like if I was a six foot eight NBA player and Mr. Rogers is yelling at me in a film session, I'd kind of <laughs> be like, what the fuck? Get the fuck out of here, dude. And then if it's Emudoka, like I'm going to listen to that dude. Like he's yep. dating Neil. He's married to Neil long and he played in the league. So um, he's seen some shit. The first story yeah, exactly. I ever read about, about Ime was him like housing people in a in giant Nigeria. brawl. <laughs> Right. Like they had yeah. a malice of the palace yeah, situation. He just handled it himself. He, he's like, I, I, I got this. You guys sit down. Was that the film session? Just a play by play breakdown. Maybe Timmy cut it together of, uh, of just the brawl in Nigeria. He just There's one that wants to criticize my offensive yeah. set. <laughs> anyway, here's stands a bad Tatum the screen, pass. Stares at the- 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I just think, like, if, you know, we, the, a West, double back to backs on a West Coast trip is tough. They came back, they responded. Again, like, I'm not sold. Like, this team might come out flat again, but. I think the film session, like, they all, like, Tatum really doesn't talk about shit like that, and he talked about it and seemed, like, very positive about it, so we'll see, man, but I think that's probably the most important takeaway from that game going forward. Absolutely. Well, look, we're going to move on, and guys, it is officially trade season for... Some people, obviously Smart and uh, Time Law, we have to wait a little bit longer. Not that we want to trade them, but December 15th, I believe, was the day that uh, guys like Dennis Schroeder became eligible to be traded. And coincidentally, a report from Shams Sharania, quote, rival teams expect the Celtics to be open to talks around guard Dennis Schroeder. Jay... <laughs> I don't know why I'm asking you this. Yay or nay? Should we trade Dennis Schroeder? What do you think, realistically, emphasis on realistically, what can we get for Dennis Schroeder if we should, in fact, trade him at all? Well, we definitely have to trade him. Uh, that's yeah. that's just that's a certainty. Um, and and that's, that's mostly so that... Um, you know, I can just how many firsts do we need to dump to get off my... <laughs> So <laughs> I think we need to set the bar as far as the price for Schroeder at around say three three useful role players and a first round pick. I think that'd be but you said realistic. I got half yep. a half three a role players. fried chicken sandwich over here, I think. <laughs> so if any if any of, if any of Honestly, the fellow GMs in the league are hungry, we could uh, we could work something out. I got I got an awesome like it's, you know it's a second round pick there, right? seltzer. <laughs> so yeah, we can just throw that stuff in there. Ultimately, yeah, I think it comes down to you're just trying to find a team that needs like a little bit of a burst going into the the, the playoffs, like another guy that can get you you know 15 points on a random night when one of your other guys isn't really getting buckets. Um, and from a team like that, though, like you, you should ask for a decent price because you're giving. Here's Schroeder's contract is like problematic as far as it concerns like value and sustainable value and all that. I get it, but at the same time, a team think about that trade for Joe Johnson to get Rodney Rogers and Tony Delk, right? Like that shit's not a vacuum. That stuff happens every single year, right? Someone ends up, you know, being able to get rid of a Tony Delk. Schroeder comparison. And get a Joe Johnson. So I just want a Joe Johnson. That's all I want. <laughs> just all I a want simple Joe Johnson. That's it. <laughs> Spoon, that's what so, do you think? So, so much. Yeah. Uh, now, ironically, I actually, he was I called think... ISO Joe, and Dennis Schroeder is even ISO Mo. ISO Schro. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'll see I, think, I mean... I, this this might sound crazy. I think Jay's on the right track. What I'd look for Schroeder is I'm not against trading him, although I think if we're like 10 games over 500, I'd probably just keep him and see what we can do. But um, if we're sellers, I think you want to look for a distressed young asset uh, like Bagley. Uh, you know, Jarrett Culver got traded for just about nothing. You know, if we could take not Culver, because I always hated him, always thought he sucked. But regardless, um. Kind of like a young guy 
who seems like he's on his way out of the league, but he was a high draft pick and you get a second um, to take on, you know, his next year's contract or something like that. Uh, Like Jalen Smith with the Suns, somebody like that. Uh, just to see like, okay, it's an upside play and we get a second round pick, which is basically like cash in the NBA for trades, right? Mm-hmm. Like you need to get off somebody. Here's two seconds, take them. So that's what I'd look for, for Schroeder. But he also, you know, if we want to make a big splash too, like he's got value. Like if the Clippers are looking for somebody, maybe we could try to get like Kennard or somebody like that too. I mean, yep. he's. Schroeder's good, man. Like, he's a good, he's yeah. frustrating as hell, but he's good. And that's the thing that just I agree. shouldn't he, get missed. Like, I know yeah. I talk my fair share of shit about Schroeder, but, like, he's he's an impact player on both sides of the ball. Like, not only can he get buckets, right, but, like, he can lock up on the other side. And that makes him arguably the most valuable backup guard that, uh, you know, they're kind of like I can't think of another more impactful guard that can get you thirty on any given night and also stop a guy that averages thirty from getting thirty, right? Like there's not too many guys out there that have that in their their wheelhouse. He does. So again, I get how the contract stuff makes it so that it's maybe not quite as advantageous as we would like it to be, but at the same time, because of what he can do on the court and because he doesn't have the same types of glaring weaknesses that like a non shooter would have. Like he's not a great outside shooter, but he 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 scores in other ways to compensate. Whereas, say like a guy like Marcus Smart, he doesn't have the same offensive repertoire that that Schroeder has. Schroeder can get thirty way easier than Smart can any given night of the week, mm. and that's valuable in the NBA, and, and it should be treated as such. Absolutely. There's a comment here from Squim Jim. Shout out Squim Jim, who's constantly popping up on this podcast. They say, "I'm down to be in the seller's market this year. Honestly, Schroeder fell into our laps, and we can't keep him." Gaining a second rounder, getting under the tax, and opening up time for our young players is better than nothing. If we enter the seller's market, though, Brad should really talk with Ime and the Jays about letting this be a rebuild year. Did you wake up feeling groggy? Day off. Was the finale of your favorite show too stressful? Like Succession, maybe? Day off. The more time our young guys get, the better. The better our first rounder this year, the better. Whatever decision is made, we have to stop having one foot in and one foot out. Um, Squim's a real one. Thank you, Squim, Jim. I think for me, (laughs) for sure. The the biggest takeaway for me there is like the biggest piece of value would be playing our young guys more often and particularly Peyton Pritchard, who is kind of the only candidate to sort of step up into backup point guard. Like, don't know anyone else on the roster unless we um, bring the guy from... I've already forgotten his name. This is how much of an arduous season this has been. The the guy from uh, Israel... Um, Yamada, Yam. Thank you, Yamada. Unless we're being Yam back over, then it's going to be Pritchard. Yam with the (laughs) Yam. For me, (laughs) for me, regardless of what we get back, like that's that's the piece of value in getting rid of Schroeder. Um, We're not going to win a title this year unless the rest of the league all contracts COVID and we just have like a bounce back lucky COVID year and we're the last team standing, which could happen, touch wood. Um, For me, that's that's where the value in the Schroeder trade uh, lies. Moving on though, the Kings have made Buddy Heal. You're going to just move on with that? Look at, he put up that wild shield (laughs) protecting himself from the disappointment of not winning the championship. He's like, he's he's already like, he's setting the narrative in stone. He's like, I've accepted it. We're not going to do it. Listen, it's still possible. It's still possible. (laughs) It could happen. And I know that I might be breaking your heart and setting you up for failure. But listen, that's what this is all about. 
That's what this is all because you well, only feel those crazy <laughs> emotional highs when you experience those crazy emotional lows. Now, what we're not talking about real quick before we switch <laughs> gears, because if I don't say this, I feel like Joe will have it out with me. Right. But what we're not mm-hmm. discussing and we should be discussing is that Schroeder has played himself well enough, I think, to be the centerpiece of the Ben Simmons deal. The centerpiece no of the Ben Simmons deal. Who are the Sixers going to get better than Schroeder? No way. Uh, CJ McCollum. Jeremy uh, Grant. Buddy Heald, which we're going to no talk about. No one's giving those guys up. Uh, no one's giving Jeremy those guys Grant's up. Well, like Buddy, totally Heald is, Buddy Heald is literally available. We're about to move on to the point that Buddy Heald has been made available. So he and All right, let's, think about let's get into it. Work around Joel Embiid. Well, okay, well, let's just, let's just slowly walk across this bridge from Schroeder to Buddy Heald. So... Dennis Schroeder does is not going to play particularly well off off Joel Embiid in terms of like if you think about the way Embiid plays, it's like post up, kick out, post up, kick out, and we've seen what kicking out to Dennis Schroeder looks like. It looks like missing seventy percent of the time, if not more. Um, and so I don't think uh, that Schroeder could be the centerpiece. Could he be a component in a three team deal? Absolutely, and that's something. Where the complexity goes beyond what my pea brain is capable of uh, of calculating, but I think that that's where we have the Spoons opportunity. Who's having to a terrible there. impact and, and, on you? Because now you're getting all rational and logical too. This is this is unbelievable. Spoons, what is what is <laughs> hey happening? Hey man, here? I keep my ear to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> the puppet master hypnotized. Look, let's let's move on to Buddy Heald because otherwise, you know, this is going to be a two hour podcast. As far as Buddy Heald. <laughs> on the Celtics in a vacuum or maybe by way of a three-team trade if we want to go there. Uh, Spoons, Buddy Hill, I think, could be a useful contributor on the Celtics. We talk about spacing all the time. Do you think it's a likely move that the Celtics would explore? Uh, I don't think so. I just... The reason I don't think so is because it seems like we are not interested in paying the luxury tax unless we're like a true contender and Buddy makes like 20 a year and he's got long-term money, so... Maybe in the off season, uh, but unfortunately, I don't think Buddy's realistic. Even though he would be a really nice fit as the fifth starter, he would be perfect. But we don't have a ton. Of the Kings would. Well, I guess we could do. What position would he play for us as the fifth starter? He'd be shooting guard and or the small forward, and Tatum. Oh, so, would move so to then the four. some put Tatum back at the fours. Yeah, a lot of yeah. people have been talking about that lately. I get it. Yeah, okay. I like him. I like I like Tatum at the four. And you know, if yeah. it's a matchup like the Bucks where Brooke Lopez is playing, you know, you can run double bigs or something. You know, we could put together like Wancho, Richardson, Neesmith, and Picks or something like that. We could get it done. Uh, I just don't think they want to take on that long term money. Like everything we did this past off season told me. We are not taking on long-term money, and Buddy's got a lot of it. So, unfortunately, I don't think it's realistic, even though he'd be a nice little piece. Although, I do think he's a little overrated at this point. He's definitely overpaid, but he's a good player. Yeah, plus he's like 50 years old, um, amazingly. So, yeah, yeah, maybe a little over the hill there. He's 28 uh, or something like that. Like, it's insane. Yeah. What is he, Thon Maker <laughs> 2.0? Like he was just drafted. Basically, yeah, he got drafted. older than Thon. <laughs> he was a senior, right? That was yeah, the big... He, that was, he was one of those guys that like yeah, so he didn't I'm, go I'm as a, high because he was a senior. Well, so yeah. it's like it's a double whammy. So I'm a Big Twelve fan. I'm a West Virginia University fan, and Buddy went to Oklahoma. So like he was, you know, we battled Buddy for like five years, right? 
uh, four, I guess. But the it it doubles up because he's uh, he, I think he's like Haitian or something, and his birth certificate was fucked up, so he got drafted, right. <laughs> and everyone thought he was like twenty two or twenty three, and he was actually twenty five when he got drafted. <laughs> so he's like almost thirty at this point yeah, because amazing. his birth certificate was wrong. So yeah, uh, buddy, I think he's twenty eight now, and he's been in the league like four years. Tatum's been in the league the same amount of time, or Jalen's been in the league the same amount of time as 25. You know what I mean? That three years is a big difference. Jay, I want your thoughts on this one. This is a post to the sub by user Bryce Schoon, who said, would you trade our first round pick straight up for Eric Gordon? Eric Gordon is averaging 15 points on 62% true shooting with 48, 45, 72 splits. I think he could fit the TPE maybe a million more. First round pick for Eric Gordon, yes or no? Yes, it's like just just on its on its own, and like I I'm not in love with it. I'm not I'm not the biggest Eric Gordon fan. Um, the shot looks weird for me. Um, also, could never hit a shot with him in 2K, and so I'm personally offended by that. Um, him and Larry Bird, two <laughs> yeah, most difficult guys for me to know. ever hit a shot in 2K with. I can't hit shots with Eric Gordon or Larry Bird, and it and so I just think. Uh, dude, as far as like them as you've people, you've got to learn Larry Bird's shot not good. <laughs> It's just it's not okay. Yeah, I um, think there's a lot of merit to so, that. There's a lot of merit to that. He's all like he's he struggled. Like we've had our own fair share of issues with injury histories. You know, Eric Gordon. I don't think he's really ever had a season that hasn't been completely mired by injury. In fact, he's probably experiencing one of his longest stretches of not being injured currently, and it's like what twenty games. Um, so I think like to give up a first round pick, knowing his full story as a as a professional basketball player, it's it'd be tough. But if but if Brad feels good about it enough to to entertain the deal, then like I'll throw my enthusiasm into it because what he can do on the court, I think, would translate into being really impactful. You know, he can hit outside shots. He can get to the. He can basically do the stuff that Schroeder does. Like getting to the basket, he can mess around in the mid range a bit. He can shoot from distance, um, but he's just a step better. Like he's stronger, um, he's bigger. I think he's got a little bit less of a tendency to sort of like over dribble. He can still dribble his fair share. Don't get it twisted. But I think like his is just a little bit more disciplined. A little like Schroeder, you can tell when he's dribbling, like he's actively looking for where he's gonna go. Whereas Gordon will like decide where he wants to go and then he'll dribble to get there. Like so, you know, six of one, half dozen of the other, perhaps. But I'd do it if we felt good that he, that he's going to be available come playoff time. I'd be nervous because of the injury history that he has. Um, but what he can do on the court, he's been doing it. Like and he's been doing it pretty consistently when healthy. So I I'd, I'd be very interested in checking that out. Okay. Um, but I would definitely. It wouldn't be my favorite deal that's out there and available, at least in theory. Yeah, well, there's another potential deal that's being kicked around. I don't know how much potential there is. This is taken from an article by Jack Fisher at Bleacher Report. Spoons, what's your take on this one? The Sixers are looking at Jalen Brown. The Seas are unlikely to trade him, but Smart, Time Lord, and Truder believe to be available in trade talks, according to rival execs. Uh, I think this could be a quick one, but uh, thoughts on, on this one, Spoons? Fisher, come on the pod. Face your accusers because you <laughs> are out. a bullshitter. 
<laughs> Sixers can look at Jalen Brown all they want, but he ain't going nowhere, man. Despite what Joe may want, <laughs> but I mean, it just it doesn't make any like. Hey, if we can get Simmons without Smart or without Jalen being part of the deal, sure, why not? But it it just makes no sense to trade Jalen. Get Mr. Fisher out of my face. I don't want to hear it. He's a Sixers reporter, clearly getting fed shit from the Maury and his team. So like, that's just a non-starter. They can you can look, but you can't touch, fellas. Sorry. Anything to add to that, Jay? I think we've got a consensus here. Yeah, it's the first time in my life I think I've wholeheartedly and entirely agreed with Spoons. (laughs) First time for everything, baby. Heard it here first. All right, well, this was a post by user Puppy617. They say, who's your trade target that Celtics fans might not want to hear? They go on to say, who is the trade target that people would dismiss for whatever reason, expensive, having a bad year, older, etc., that you can think of that would fit well on the team? Jay, what you got? I'm still hung up on Kyle Anderson. And here's why I think, like, we've talked about Kyle Anderson, right? So, like, I don't think this is, like, a super spicy take as far as, like, people haven't heard the name. or you know, But, like, I feel like people would think about Kyle Anderson right now, and they would be like, well, that's not going to move the needle any. And I just... I've got a different feeling, but it's completely a feeling based in nothing else. Um, there's just something about the way that the guy plays, you know, the the way that he's kind of like had his career you know, happen in learning with pop. You know, again, if we were to bring him in, I'd be operating under the assumption that he kind of signing off on it, too, having been at least somewhat familiar with him and what he can bring. Um, I just think that that's. That's the kind of skill set that I'm that I'm targeting. A lot of folks are are really strung out looking for a third star, and I I just don't know how feasible or, or really beneficial that's going to be because you have to end up mortgaging so much to acquire that kind of talent. Um, that it's like it's it's hard to really make a deal like that super lopsided, right? Um, especially at a midway point in the in the year when you don't have like the off season to keep putting pieces together like we did in 2008 when we swung for the fences for KG and Ray like we started the offseason we had a bunch of rookies like we were able to kind of we had some time to like iron all that all the all this mess out put it together we don't have that here so um chasing uh, a big name player at midway through the year nothing's really come out or sounds like it's super extraordinary the only thing that I'd probably you know add to this mix same type of position dynamic that I'm looking at would be the the Jeremy Grant dynamic in Detroit. If he's if he's looking out or they're looking to to get something for him, you know, the Kyle Anderson is like the light version of that. Like that's where you're probably not having to give up too too much. Probably not even like a first rounder or nothing like that. If you're going high end, um, I'd probably look at Jeremy Grant because of the way that he'll fit into this team and add a dynamic that I think cultivates a, just more winning. Um, and I would be trying to keep smart on the team as the starting point guard as well in, in either one of those cases. Of course. <laughs> Absolutely. Spoons, what do you got? So I went into that thread to give a name and this name is Kyle Anderson is the poor person's version, like the homeless man's version of this player. Whoa. But user B Kerr, B E yeah. User B-E-A underscore K-E-R, Beaker, already beat me to it. And it's Gordon Hayward. Yeah. He's the fourth option on Charlotte. They need a center. 
him and Al Horford have matching salary for a trade. Oh they can God. get off Al if they want to. We could even include Richardson and take back Plumley, so we have a backup center after Rob. And, I mean, Hayward would actually probably get an upgrade in role with us because he'd be our third option all of a sudden. And, I mean, why doesn't that work perfectly? Doesn't have to deal with Brad Stevens anymore. No more no Brad. <laughs> no more, yeah, dad is Wait, I thought that you know, was the reason he came here in the first over place. Him anymore. Yeah, but it didn't. Clearly, it was not a the reason to keep him. But I mean, why isn't that a perfect fit for both? Like Horford would be awesome for Charlotte too. They're yeah. starting Mason Plumley. Like that is not ideal. Horford would be great for them. Veteran presence. They could run Washington. PJ Washington as their backup center, like they do, and run those small ball. And like Hayward is just kind of redundant. Like they've got you know Lonzo has the ball all the time for them. So they just need shooters. They got Ubre and uh, Beasley, or not, uh, uh, oh, Miles uh, Bridges, Bridges on the wings. Yeah. yeah, and they don't need Hayward. They need a center. Horford's playing great. They can get off his money if they need. I just that makes a lot of sense to me, man. They can kind of undo that crazy contract they gave him, and he fits perfect. <laughs> we know he works with the Jays. Like, yeah. And there's no more Kemba, so he's the third option getting a lot of shots. Like, I don't know. That makes a lot of sense to me. Am I crazy? That is so spicy. Like, I don't know. Like, on, a, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being extremely realistic, like, how likely is that to happen? You talked before, um, Spoons, about the team's reluctance to go into the salary cap. Is Gordo a player that they they weighed into to tax land for? They offered him $25 million a year that offseason. That would have put us well into the tax. Good uh, point. You know, yeah. yeah. So, like, wow. clearly he, he is he said no to that, though. we'd be willing to go into the tax. Yeah, and then he took 30 So, like, what's an extra $5 million? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, I do the people that didn't give it to him. makes that, a lot of sense. How many trades Let's can the Celtics undo? Can we just redo. go back and just untrade Joe Johnson? Can like can we just do that? <laughs> Campbell yeah, Walker's what, a free what, agent. What are we talking about here? <laughs> Resign Carson Edwards. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> I think we should leave it there. But that's um. Actually, I want to shout out very quickly. There was a user Godfrey one seven four who mentioned more along the lines of sort of like tidying up around the edges, uh, potentially acquiring Tyus Jones as a a more reliable backup point guard, which I think would be a good move, um, and I That'd believe be doesn't put us into the tax. Um, more we did reliable have one than who? more to get to Schroeder. Schroeder. <laughs> and Peyton Pritchard. Tyus Jones? And, yeah, uh, definitely more than Peyton. I won't say any other names, but yeah, he'd go straight up towards <laughs> the top of the reliability chart. <laughs> I'll take Kyle Anderson um, over Tyus Jones. All right, that's Jones. all we had. Yeah, I mean, as far as that shooting stretch for... Oh, you know, with Grant Williams and now he's playing, I, I've cooled down on Kyle Anderson compared to how I felt about him. He seemed like the logical choice, the logical acquisition. It's going to be interesting to, to see what he may does with him now. With Grant, yeah, rookie scale contract, all of that. Like it's, uh, it's a he's a spicy, but also he could be a very spicy uh, trade piece because of how well he's been playing. He's kind of he's so good, we might trade him basically, which is terrifying. Um, we're going to move on to the Reddit recap now, and I'm going to quickly breeze through this. I've tried to summarize it because it's quite a long post, and uh, it's 
by a user, who was it by? Phoenix Uni. And they go on to write, uh, this is about Tatum's stats and how he is currently the second leading scorer, not in terms of point per game, but in terms of total points scored throughout the season so far. They start the post saying, please note, I'm just a guy who likes stats while realizing that they can point they can paint, rather, whatever type of picture you want, depending on how you look at them. I am not trying to roast Tatum here. So Jason Tatum has scored the second most points in the NBA. He's only two points behind the leader, Kevin Durant. So Kevin Durant is leading with 735 points. Tatum is second with 733. Trey Young is third. Giannis, Curry, and Levine are all fourth with 703 at the time of writing this post. This rules. What if we take a look at a few other stats? Points per game. Durant first at 29.4. Giannis, Steph, and Trey tied at second at 27. Tatum is seventh, 26.4 points per game. Field goal attempts. Tatum first at 612. Trey Young second at 549. Steph third at 528. Durant seventh, and Giannis 12th at 469. If I stop right there and only look at ranks, I don't see a lot that concerns me. Durant and Tatum top two in points, top seven in points per game, and top seven in shot volume. Tatum sharing the ranks with three guys contending for MVP and one extremely high volume shooter. That's great. But then, field goals missed. Tatum first at 353, 12.8 per game over 28 games. Effective field goal percentage, which is adjusting for threes being worth more than twos. Tatum 100th at 0.489. True shooting, which is a measure of shooting efficiency accounting for twos, threes, and free throws. Tatum, 130th at 0.535. So Tatum, the volume shooter, is missing a ton of shots and is relatively ineffective with his shots. What exactly is happening here? Out of the top 20 players in points per game, Tatum's second point shot percentage of 47.6% is 19th, beating only Shea Gildas-Alexander's 47.5%, and he's 19th in points per game. Katie, Giannis, Steph, and Trey all eclipse him. Tatum's three-point shot percentage of 33.9 is 10th. Durant is 6th at 38.3. Tatum is 13th in free throw percentage at 80.8%. Steph leads the way with 93%. Durant is 7th at 87.7%. And Giannis is an abysmal 68.1%. Is this alarming? Sort of. However, he is well below his career averages at field goal percentage, two-point percentage, three-point percentage, and free throw percentage. And they end with, if I had to sum up my feelings on all these stats, I'd say that either one, he's the guy, while Brown has been out, and maybe he's just got dead legs or something, and or two, defenses are learning how to push him into more difficult shot selections. Anyway, this went on way longer than I expected. I just keep going down rabbit holes and finding more interesting nuggets. So Spoons, you're kind of our resident stats guy, so I'm curious to hear your take on this. You're coming off the back of a great Tatum game and a pretty good Tatum stretch. It does seem like there are a number of statistical indications that like he's not as good as maybe we think he is what do you think uh i just think he started slow and terrible (laughs) and now he's killing it in december like this is what tatum does man he looks like shit for a month and a half and then he plays like an all nba player so I'm not too worried about it. I think a lot of like the totals are because we played a ton of overtime games. Tatum's played a ton of minutes, and we haven't had Jalen Brown, so he somebody's got to put shots up. 
Uh, and Tatum's the guy who's been doing it, and he's been missing everything. Open ones, not open ones, uh, and he's not anymore. In December, his true shooting is 63%. Uh, that's pretty damn good. And uh, user Jailson has the top comment. In the last 14 games, he's at 29 points on 58 and a half true shooting. Like, he's fine. I don't think this tells us much other than he started really slow, but we already knew that already, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Jay, do you agree with that or anything you want to add? Well, Ben, could you could you run those numbers back through just one more time? Because I think I think Spoons was close. <laughs> he was close. <laughs> I think I, 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 I just I need, a, asleep, I need a minute to recover because because I had like a minor aneurysm as as you were just reciting all those numbers. It's just too much for my. I mean, you talk about smooth brain. Not gonna like, lie, I don't know. <laughs> I practiced this that before much. we started recording. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. You nailed it. Like you, it was, it was solid. I just, um, my my brain does halfway not work through. I was like, that. this is bad podcasting. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if it holds up. <laughs> That's all right. Um, um, the, pe- the people can just watch me have like a medical emergency while you're doing it, so it should it should kind of balance out. Um, hopefully there's some <laughs> folks watching that are at least, you know, certified in CPR and first aid, uh, fast acronym folks. Remember F A S T. Um, so as far as like my, yeah, Tatum's fine. Uh, you, you know, yeah, you know, you know, it's frustrating for me about the Tatum stuff though. Uh, in, in spoons, you, you kind of, you kind of touched on it, but you didn't totally commit because you know, it, it takes a certain kind of stones to really lock into I'm this kind of a this kind of take but you know <laughs> you're, you're not soft you're cuddly right um thank you yeah it's <laughs> people it. people are willing to acknowledge that like someone's got to take the shots right like you got Jalen out you got everyone else on, on the team missing even schroeder missing you know and but every someone's got to take the shot unless it's marcus smart because if marcus smart takes the shot then he's a chucker that's not putting the team first. He's got an ego. I think everyone needs to chill out. That's all I'm saying. So all the numbers, all the stats about Tatum, all I'm hearing is get off Marcus Smart's case. <laughs> which is all you ever hear. Uh, From me. <laughs> which is not a bad thing at all. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, one of the reasons I included that post is because it was such a high effort, high quality post, which is something it was really that good. I think you know, regular, we'll call them power users, the Knights of New on Celtics Reddit, really appreciate that sort of level of effort and content as opposed to, you know, nothing wrong with memes. Sometimes, you know, the balance can lean too dramatically in the direction of memes and it's just really nice to see this kind of content free, consumable and, and you know, triggering discussions on the sub. So, shout out to that user. I want to give another high quality poster a shout out and that's our friend, Dr. Charles Ulysses. Nesbit Thorpe. If there's an acronym there, I don't know what it is. Um, <laughs> they came up with a post four days ago now, Gordo X Post Facto. And I'm not going to read the full post out because I'm just, I'm not going to be able to give it sort of the uh, the quality and, I guess, diction that, that it's worth. You really need to go and, uh, first of all, listen to our podcast with, with the doctor, the great doctor on it, so you can get a sense of his, his voice uh, and then read it out in your head in that voice. And it makes it a lot of fun. But basically, just sort of expanding on the uh, the continual curse that is 
for lack of a better term, cursing <laughs> the Celtics and us um, and how Gordon Hayward um, might be a, a recent contributor and, and, and you know, um, main character in, in the continuation of that curse. Um, I don't know, guys. We're pretty much done here. We're going to talk about the upcoming schedule in a second. Any any thoughts on, on the doctor or this post or the curse at all or anything like that? If we trade for Gordon Hayward, maybe it all goes away. I don't know. But no, <laughs> seriously. Uh, Dr. Uh, acronym Charles. is, yeah, <laughs> Dr. Charles Unt is doing great work. Everyone should check it out. It's absolutely hilarious. The The man is creative as hell. This is what makes Reddit special is crap like this. So please check it out. Yeah. Um, now, we didn't, Jay- we didn't really get a chance to, to talk much, um, like prior to the, the pod actually, um, specifically about, cause I, I reached out to the to the doc because we had the the pod that you had done with him, um, and like it was really curious to me. Like I got kind of invested in the, you know, what he was kind of unraveling there and and trying to think about it. Because again, like having gone through you know the '90s and the early 2000s, like the last thing any of us want is to go through that kind of a stretch again, right? Like we just had so much heartbreak, even separate from wins and losses, like loss of life and what have you. So, um, you know, everything that kind of went down. Uh, during you know the the tail end of it's uh, tenure with the Celtics, um, and then the work that that the doctor's been doing to kind of unpack that a bit and to help us all process on it. You know, I, like I think we all kind of make light and we, we we have fun with it and all that, but you know there there's some genuine effort. And what's a little like concerning, I was talking to him the other day. We were talking sort of off offline, as it were. Um, you know, you meet people online and then you talk to them offline. Uh, there's some there's some weird stuff that's kind of coming out now. Like this whole thing started as kind of like a gag, a joke, or whatever. But um, like he's he's following these leads now. Like it, I couldn't follow everything they were saying. He was talking to me really fast the other day. Like dude, right now, like he's getting weird attention. So there's representatives from Ainge's camp that are like trying to get a hold of him and find out where he's at right now. And like this, all of a sudden, all I'm saying is. He reached out to me and starts like unraveling and, uh, and unpacking all this stuff that he's kind of found that connects to Ainge and the 2008 championship and how that feeds into some of the curse stuff that's been going on. And I'm having a tough time getting back a hold of the doctor now. And all of a sudden, Ainge has a new job. So what are you saying? I don't entirely know like what's going on, but like anyone that does get any communication with with the doctor in the sub like let him know that I, i'm reaching out i'm trying to get a hold of him because i'd like like i know you were talking ben about getting him back on here and doing some stuff but like yeah he like, i know he he had a weird vibe and something's going on and like he's getting some kind of weird attention i don't know exactly what it is but the fuck's knocking at my door what a hotel at your door no one even knows that I'm, yeah oh, hold on I, I i'll be right you guys keep going It's strange, strange stuff there. I, I'm starting to get a vibe that there's something fishy going on with Jay. If and, it's the uh, Mormon church, we're in trouble. Yeah, well, I, I think now that Ainge, you know, he can wear his Mormon underpants on the outside now, officially, that he's uh, he's in Utah, which Utah. is great. Must have been uh, part of the, the signing bonus there. Uh, Jay, there's are something we, fishy going on. Are we about to watch Jay get murdered oh. on a <laughs> recording a podcast? <laughs> I don't know who you are. Do you even have ID? 
this is my laptop. It's a podcast for, for no, I'm from Massachusetts, but Boston Celtics fan. It's a podcast. I don't actually, dude, that's like some name from a guy online. What do you even, I don't know who the hell this guy is. How do you even know that I'm here? Who the hell are you? No, I'm not, I'm not go, what, what, what? I, uh, Jay's been abducted. <laughs> it would seem, it would seem that Celtics Jay has been abducted. Definitely something fishy going on here. Uh, we were going to talk about Ainge's new appointment. Kind of seems insensitive <laughs> to do so now that our, uh, our compadre apparently <laughs> has been kidnapped. Uh, I mean, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see the chair's empty. There was a, a large commotion there. There was now, a knock, uh, knock on Jay the door. <laughs> uh, so they're out there, folks. Be careful what you say and who you say it to because... Uh, I don't know if we're going to see Celtics J again. Um, yeah. Would it would I, it be rude of us now, Spoons, to talk about the upcoming schedule for the Celtics? That Jay would have wanted us to. I think so. Well, look, let's <laughs> let's be very quick because I think we need to go and uh, and make some phone calls. Uh, honestly, feels very insensitive to to do this, but <laughs> Spoons, the Warriors, the Knicks, the Seventy Sixers, the Cavs, all at home. The next four games coming up. Uh, as part of this difficult December schedule for <laughs> the chest still empty for the Celtics. Um, I feel like the Knicks are sort of the easy the easy win there, given that they Don't have completely... Don't say that, but you can't say that shit. <laughs> now we're going to lose, I'm, Ben. I'm, I'm putting it out there. Uh, <laughs> although, if we've, if we've learned one thing in the last five minutes is that curses are real, clearly, and uh, and the truth is out there. Uh <laughs> So if I'm if I'm thinking along the right lines here, if you were to go on and say, Spooner, that we're going to lose all four of those games, truly you're thinking in the back of your mind that we're therefore going to win all four of those games. But seriously, though, what's your take on this upcoming part of the schedule? <laughs> uh, I think we're going to go one and three, so we're going to go three and one. <laughs> all right. I, I mean, the Knicks <laughs> are very beatable. The Sixers are very beatable. The Cavs are very beatable. So I think... Well, I, I don't know. I got a weird feeling we're to beat the Warriors. I, I don't know. That's we always play them tough. Uh, so I don't know. This team makes no friggin' sense, Ben. I can't make two. I can't make sense of them at all. So I'll say three and one, and we'll all be grooving, man, and we're gonna be super happy. And you know, we'll all get to you know hang out at Jay's funeral. Seems that way. Yeah. Hopefully, I can fly <laughs> over there, COVID and all. Um, <laughs> R.I.P. Celtics J. I, uh, I, I do just quickly, I, I do think that we always play the Warriors quite well, and that, that dates back to those yeah. IT teams, even with Evan Turner uh, back in the day. Uh, so I'm, I'm pretty hopeful that we can at least go 2-1, two, 2-2 two and two, uh, and two, yeah. in this stretch. Um, but we'll see. I guess we got to wrap it up there. I uh, don't know what's going on with Celtics J. I'm very concerned. The people of Celtics Reddit, if you can get in touch with Celtics J, please reach out. If you out. can get in touch with uh, Dr. Charles Unt, then uh, <laughs> please let us know because we're, uh, we're worried here. That's going to do it for this one. Uh, feels, again, insensitive saying this, but if you want to support the show, please subscribe, review, rate, and share. All that good stuff really means a lot to us. Do it in Celtics Jay's memory, if nothing else. Uh, Jay, Spoons, love your work, guys. Thanks again. Thanks, man. It was fun. All right. We'll be back with another pod in the very near future. Until then, go Celtics. Peace. Peace.